This is No Such Thing, a podcast about the promise and reality of learning with technology. I'm Mark Lesser. This is another Power Up episode. Power Ups are bite-sized versions of the podcast that are aimed at digging more deeply into topics that emerge from other episodes. Uh, It's also an opportunity to invite practitioners, researchers, academics, and young people onto the show to offer available resources uh, that are out there for young people and practitioners to improve their craft. This one is about the Game Jam Guide, which is a resource available through Carnegie Mellon University Press. I will link to that through the show notes. Matt Farber is an assistant professor of technology, innovation, and pedagogy at Northern Colorado University. And Alex Fleming is a learning design manager at Mouse, the organization uh, that I have the good fortune of calling home. The two of them talk about how to get your hands on the Game Jam Guide, what the inspiration for putting it together was, uh, and, and uh, more. Who, who, what learner this resource benefits the most? Don't forget, in the month of October, I am running an awesome raffle for a Google Pixel. It is a brand new phone that I will be giving away by Halloween. If you uh, subscribe, review the podcast, tweet it out. Um, It is greatly appreciated. My three-year-old daughter will draw your name from a hat. I hope you win. Uh, Without further ado, let's check out what Matt and Alex have to say about the Game Jam Guide. So uh, guys, we're talking about an amazing resource for educators. It's the Game Jam Guide uh, that has a pretty great history, I think, in uh, in both in New York and beyond. It sounds like educators have been using this uh, and having a lot of success. Um, let's start, uh, Matt. Maybe tell us a little bit about uh, how you entered the fray, and then Alex, you can uh, tell us more about the history. Sure, of course. Um, you know, but prior to uh, my current role as an assistant professor here in Colorado at the University of Northern Colorado. I was a a social studies teacher in New Jersey, and I began to use lots of games in the classroom. iCivics was actually the gateway platform of games. uh, It's used in maybe 50% of history classrooms to teach civics using video games. And uh, I also used a lot of project-based learning in my classroom. And I actually received an email from a list serve I was on from the Institute of Play, which was, and still is, of course, in the Hive Network in New York, uh, the group of um, you know, school and after-school programs and nonprofits and museums and such. And uh, there was a, a blog post about a uh, movable game jam that was being hosted at its school uh, at Quest to Learn. And there was also a, a link that described what a game jam was, and that was written by Kevin Miklosh, who at the time was working at Iridescent. Now he is at BrainPop. And uh, he and uh, Alex here, Alex Fleming. Hello. Uh, hello. <laughs> uh, are the uh, two that started the first movable game jam initiative. And uh, the guide we have here uh, represents the uh, follow-up iteration from this past year. And it also includes their initial work. So uh, I believe Alex would be best suited to uh, give us a bit of the origin story. Sure, I'd be happy to do that, Matt. Um, 
I first heard about this when Kevin McClance approached approached me. Um, at, uh, I can't remember exactly where it was, but we were talking um, about game design uh, activities and Hive New York City, which you were talking about before. Um, and Iridescent was a, a, a member is a member of uh, uh, the New York City Hive, and so is Mouse, um, where I work. And uh, we we're just talking uh, uh, about wanting to create more. Uh, in-person events for young people who are interested in making games and um, also partially because that's a, a, a great thing to do and partially because we were around a number of different organizations that were working on uh, creating game-based learning programs and we're trying to find places to uh, test out new activities and 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 work with young people to, to figure out how to make um, really effective game-based learning. Uh, so that was around 2014 when we first talking about first started talking about it, and we uh, ran a series of, of game jams for about a year, and then uh, kind of laid low uh, for a little bit after that when when the funding uh, dried up a little bit, uh, and then shortly after that we got involved with a um, mouse got involved with the uh, Games for Change Student Challenge, uh, and uh, we were talking a lot about running uh, game jams as, as a part of this challenge. Um, I should probably say a little bit about what that is. It was a, a partnership um, between Mouse and, and Games for Change where Games for Change would run a contest uh, for young people in high school or middle school um, in a number of different cities across the country to create games that were about different uh, so uh, issues, um, one, one of, of several different issues uh, that were selected during that year. And uh, as a part of this, uh, Mouse was was providing a, uh, a gaming a game design curriculum that uh, I'd worked on a lot, and we had been talking a lot about wanting to have uh, additional resources for for people who were involved with this, including uh, opportunities to meet up and and to work on game design stuff in uh, in person, and uh, that's how we started. Uh, talking about bringing these game jams back and uh, making them better than they were before. And, you know, uh, to me, that's uh, a really indicative of how Games for Change um, embraced educational games uh, and kids creating games. Um, you know, initially, Games for Change focused mostly on uh, games that are transformative and for social impact. And it's really started to widen its umbrella bringing in uh, an entire track of games for learning and this concept of having kids make games themed on these serious social justice and social impact themes is quite meaningful. And for me, uh, as an educator, I just saw it as an incredible opportunity to use, um, I mean, I don't know if anybody's been paying attention, but because of things like Hour of Code uh, and because of more attention to uh, game design as a gateway to learning um, computational thinking and uh, STEAM, which is science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Uh, we have a lot of opportunities and a lot of tool sets for kids to create games on any topic, really. So um, this was a, a really great opportunity for us to get together with Games for Change. Uh, and um, what they did was they helped us to... Um, relaunch a, another iteration of movable game jams and four took place 
in that last school year, 2016 to 2017. So, Matt, um, at the time you were a social studies teacher, and I'm curious, as a social studies teacher, who, which obviously that falls outside of the STEAM description you just gave, you're, you're the, the, uh, maybe the one subject left out. Um, and the reason I ask, I want to ask this question is because I, I want to get to uh, the movable game jam uh, or the game jam guide, which is free and available to educators. And, and I want you to describe what kind of educator and what kind of student this is great for. Um, but maybe you could start with, as a social studies teacher, what, uh, what made you interested from the get-go in, in terms of um, what kind of things you wanted to infuse and, and see as outcomes related to your own subject area? Well, aside from history education, my master's and doctorate is in uh, educational technology. And, um, you know, educational technology people see the world with this different lens and mindset They're, that technology is, is a tool. Uh, but in particular, game design, let's say something like Scratch. And uh, Mitch Resnick at uh, MIT, he had a, an excellent blog post on Medium. He co-wrote about this sort of thing, how uh, coding should not be just rote. It shouldn't be just moving characters and solving puzzles, but it should really be uh, a mode, uh, a means of self-expression, right? So you're, you're creating, you're using game design tools or games to, to self-express. And uh, that's where I saw... Um, games and and steam in particular uh, so there are a lot of social studies classrooms actually that use tools that are common in the game design in the, I'm sorry in the game jam guide for example my students use twine uh, to mm -hmm. design interactive fiction stories but in this case it's interactive uh, historical fiction and uh, they would create stories and they don't think of it as coding or game designs even there's a lot of loaded words also, we should say, right? STEM, coding, games. Those are loaded words to students. So maybe interactive storytelling or however you want to call it. It was very adaptable to a classroom. Uh, one example is the Immigration Game Jam. It was uh, local voices and immigrant stories. And, um, you know, there were historians that came in from the Brooklyn Historical Society and the New York Historical Society uh, at the game jam we had at the New York Public Library in the uh, in the Greenwich Village, and um, they were showing historical. They were using inquiry-based learning, uh, so they were taking out things like button hooks or uh, items stamped with King George's seal, and students mm -hmm. had to use inquiry to guess what it is. And inquiry-based learning, project-based learning, game-based learning, huge overlap. One big giant circle of a Venn diagram, and. Um, you know, then students would make games based on immigration themes and topics, which is part of the standards for teaching history and social studies. Outstanding. Alex, before you add a few thoughts, can you transition whatever you're about to say into telling us about the Game Jam Guide, which is, uh, is really exciting and I think people at this point are going to want to get their hands on. Yeah. The Game Jam Guide is a collection of all of the activities that were run at all of the game jams that we did as a part of the Movable Game Jam Initiative. Um, so it's uh, it really the the collection of the entire Movable Game Jam experience into one short guide. Uh, I think it's really interesting um, what Matt was mentioning about 
these these partners coming in to talk about uh, the, a particular issue, for example, immigrant stories and, and local voices. Uh, this was something that was a part of the second iteration of the movable game jam initiative um, that was not there in the in the first version of it. When we first started trying things out, there wasn't necessarily a social justice bend to anything. Um, we were getting together to make games, to learn game making skills, and to use games to uh, educate ourselves or to make the world a better place. But the subject of those games was really open-ended. And as we uh, as we became involved with the uh, Games for Change Student Challenge and having um, themes uh, and, and particular issues associated with our, with our games, uh, one of the things that happened was it, it really kind of helped focus things. So each one of these game jams, instead of being just uh, kind of open-ended, uh, had a, a different theme that was associated with it. Um, one of the different themes that students could make games around um, for that year, I believe it was immigrant stories and, and local voices, climate change, and, oh, there's one more that I'm blanking on uh, right now. Um, future communities, uh, that, that's what it was. Sorry uh, to struggle there. Oh, that's all right, man. <laughs> I, I was going to be very upset with myself if I if I couldn't remember that. Uh, and but so adding in, um, we would have a a morning session um, where a, so someone from an organization connected with this theme would come in and talk about it and give some context for, you know, why does this matter and and how could we make games about it? And then um, all the different afternoon activities weren't necessarily. Um, you know, exactly coming straight from that, but they were all tied in in some way. And it, it really helped, uh, in my opinion, to kind of focus and streamline and, and be able to help people, to, uh, the young people who were uh, coming to these game jams to, to have a, a better idea of, of what they were going to do with their time when they were there and what kind of interesting new kinds, kinds of games that they could create. So the game jam guide contains all of the activities that we did in the game jams from before uh, there was, was any sort of theme content layered into it, as well as activities that are all tied to particular different themes like immigrant stories or future communities, um, and uh, is, is a great resource for anyone who's either interested in doing uh, activities related to one of these themes, um, and you could just grab an activity that's already connected uh, to, to a particular topic um, in that way, or also... Uh, you could take these these activities as templates um, and 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 change the theme around slightly in order to to make it work for something else. I should mention as I'm talking about this the the sort of format and the structure of what are the, these activities that I'm talking about. They would all take place in uh, in an hour or less uh, as um, different uh, as students would have an opportunity to rotate. Um, in sort of a, there'd be one, uh, at least two sessions of, of game making time after the initial uh, theme introduction at the beginning of the day. And they wouldn't necessarily be forced to stick to one activity for the entire time. But if they wanted to go and try something else, they'd have the ability to, to, to float around a little bit. Um, but these are all things that could be facilitated very easily um, by uh, one to two people at a table uh, with, you know, usually pretty minimal tech requirements, usually just uh, computers and internet access um, with a couple of different fun uh, extra things thrown in there for good measure. What I, what I, one of the things I love the most about movable game jam as a model um, 
is that there's a lot for the young person. There's a lot of choice and a lot of agency. And um, I just think that that's such a, for most of their experience, it's such a rare, uh, you know, occasion that they get to uh, be sort of dropped into a place uh, with uh, the overarching umbrella of a topic um, that for many is really engaging of, of games and game design, uh, but then have lots of choices to make with um, some sort of expert guides uh, around the room uh, to help them get further. So I love that about it. Um, Alex, do you, if I'm an educator who's interested in the Game Jam Guide, do I have to be a game designer uh, to pick it up and have a sense of what I'm doing? No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, it's definitely written in a way where our target audience were uh, educators who wanted to bring game-based learning or game making into the work that they're already doing. It's It's definitely not necessarily for people who already know how to you know how to make games in unity and and just want to uh or people who already have extensive game making experience um there were analog stations there were um a variety of different when uh, you say analog matt uh just to clarify uh you mean uh sort of game game design stations that are uh not Paper based around digital games. Yeah, correct. Got paper it. based, pen, pencil and paper games, board games, that sort of thing. Great. Yeah, and also so, a lot of activities that I would say are really great ways to dip your feet into the world of game making. If you were an educator who was interested in trying to do some more game making stuff, but you didn't have experience, you could look up some of these uh, really short lesson plans and try them out yourself, and and be something that could help kind of spark an interest perhaps. And Matt, I, in your, in your yeah. experience, having uh, had students at these events and seen a lot of, uh, of students come through, who's the student, f- you know, for which uh, the game jam is um, really powerful and, and gets a lot of traction. Um, wow. That's a really good question. <laughs> Um, you know, all, all kids like to make things after they play them. Uh, you know, you just look at creative mode in my, in Minecraft, right? Um, even just changing one or two things about a game. So you, you do have some students that actually, uh, I, here's an example just from my, my class, my teaching. I, I use Twine in the classroom, which is a uh, free um, interactive fiction maker. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure game, for those that don't know. Those books, those choose-your-own-adventure books, you know, you go left or you go right. And um, it's basically a text-based game. It's easy to use. Uh, but it also, technically, technically, if you go a little deeper, uh, it's HTML, which is like, you know, the when you embed a video into from YouTube, that's all that, like, coding jargon. So it's there. And there's also, you know, JavaScript. So I had a student last year that was using, um, he played Mission US, which is a, uh, a serious educational game that's uh, historical, empathy is designed in there, and they take place during different historical time periods. That's from PBS. Yeah, it's a, uh, a great one. Right, so what I had the students do is design sequels based on what happens next in our history textbook. And um, for this student, uh, using Twine in the class finally became his excuse to learn JavaScript. 
So he went in there and he started changing the colors of things, adding uh, an inventory, which I didn't even know you can do in such a game. So uh, there are a lot of kids that just need a little bit of an excuse to do something like that. It's not so different than a, a child that may have always wanted to be a movie director or like to make a little, maybe a short horror film or something. I really never had the impetus to do it until they got, you know, a challenge. A, a nice, I don't like the word assignment, you know, or task. Sometimes teachers say that. I like the word challenge, like a design challenge. And the gauntlet was thrown down that he could make this interactive story. and Maybe this should be his shot to make a fully functioning um, JavaScript game. And that's what he did. So that's your best case scenario. But there are a lot of other cases. You know, game design, um, again, that is a loaded word for many, right? So um, there are students that self-identify in different ways. This is a conversation I had with uh, people over at the uh, National STEM Video Game Challenge, uh, Allison Michigan in particular. And uh, it's about how kids will self-identify. So some want to be a coder, like this one student. Some want to be an artist, a storyteller, uh, work with the systems themselves. Uh, they want to be um, working with maybe the uh, music or aesthetics. So what's, what's amazing about these sorts of events, especially when they're team-based, is that kids can bring their own unique strengths and what they self-identify as being good at to game design. Terrific. You guys are, are, have given me a lot of links for the show notes, uh, which I will get all of these tools and resources uh, linked for anybody who wants to access them later. You also give me lots of fodder for uh, future conversations that we should turn into episodes. So thank you both. Um, the Game Jam Guide is available through Carnegie Mellon University Press. And I will... Um, I know also, Matt, that there is a recent Edutopia article. Um, I don't know if you want to share uh, the URL for that, if you have it handy. Um, yeah, I do. It's um, Let's see here. Actually, I don't know if I have the URL. Oh, I do, I do. There's a shortened version. So it is uh, edu period to slash two lowercase fu capital L, 8, lowercase sc. Or you could just Google uh, take, taking advantage of the power of play. Taking advantage of the power of play. And it comes up in the, in the first uh, hit or two uh, on Google. Um, I will also, again, link to the CMU uh, link where you can download the full PDF <coughs> guide for free. It's available under Creative Commons License 2.5 which I think is uh, yet another extremely cool uh, aspect of this guide. And last but not least, I just want to say um, I know uh, the folks who put together the cover art for this thing, uh, Spacecraft, and, uh, and it, it is just so much fun. I, I, uh, I can't imagine you guys weren't happy with how it came out. Well, it looks great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Thanks, guys, should... so much. Um, Alex, did you have uh, a, a Yeah, just quick one addition? thing. I don't know if we ever specifically mentioned it, which it seems a little obvious now, but just that the reason this was called 
the movable game jam initiative was because it it would move from place to place. I don't know if we missed that or not. That's a no. That's a great point. Uh, I and I th- I think that one of the great things about that point, Alex, is that uh, part of the original idea for the movable game jam was that uh, eventually it would grow beyond the five boroughs of New York and. Um, you know, so hopefully between our good friends at Edutopia pushing the Game Jam Guide out there, uh, people hearing about it on this podcast and uh, and elsewhere, that we'll start to see that happen, including in Staten Island. Um, <laughs> guys, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. And uh, everybody go download the Game Jam Guide from Carnegie Mellon University Press. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. This podcast was produced in partnership with City University of New York's master's program in youth studies at SPS. Learn more at sps.cuny.edu. And Mouse, a national youth development nonprofit that believes in technology as a force for good. Find us at mouse.org. The tracks in this podcast were produced by Leroy Tindy, a guest in episode zero, and young person who still owes me a game of one-on-one. Find him on SoundCloud at Air Tindy Beats. The podcast is produced by me, Mark Lesser, a learner like you, and our show notes can be found at nosuchthingpodcast.wordpress.